I'll learn from the master. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to Halfway There. This is Eric Nevins. This is a show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. And today I'm excited to bring on a friend and fellow podcaster. He hosts the God Watch podcast. And uh, we've connected a few times. You've heard him on this show, um, including one of his episodes last, uh, I don't know, six months ago or so. Uh, I'm excited to bring on my friend and fellow podcaster, Phil Gothier. Hey, Phil. Welcome to Halfway There. Eric, thank you so much for having me. Hey, I'm glad to make the connection. And uh, you were nice enough to record an episode with me when I was back home a few uh, months ago. That was a lot of fun. And I thought it'd be really great to just hear your story on Halfway There. Yeah, and I'm so honored to be able to share it. You know, I know one of the things that that you see, and I'm sure that I hope some of your listeners were excited to see it from you too, is it's hard to interview yourself. You know, we spend our time talking to other people and guests and, and sharing stories, but it's always kind of neat for people to hear where we come from too. So I'm really excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing, where God has you now, and then let's go back and we'll hear what God's done in your life. Well, uh, I live right outside of Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, right now I'm working uh, in the podcast field. You know, I'm a, I'm a plumber by day, podcaster by night, <laughs> and it's been a really kind of a unique experience. Uh, but before that, what I was doing was I worked... Uh, uh, maybe eight years, eight to 10 years in high school ministry. And then I, I served three years as a, uh, a college minister and uh, went into podcasting. And that's, so that's my main uh, source of ministry now. And I found it to be very unique and very rewarding because, you know, I, I have these acquaintances who are missionaries and different people that travel the world and one of their problems that they have is is they have to work so hard to get in front of people. But one of the things that I found, and I hope that that other people who are podcasting see the same thing, is that we're able to touch so many people from all corners of the world, you know. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. You know, I have uh, I have a wife and two kids. What else can I tell you about me, man? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting you say that podcasting is a ministry um, because I, you know, I kind of think of it that way as well. Somebody mentioned that in our Facebook group that we're both part of, um, that you know it's a ministry to kind of help other podcasters or or share what you're doing with your podcast. And it was, it was interesting for me because I don't really think of it that way. I just think of it as a a hobby or a thing that I'm trying to contribute to a conversation um, that the church has, but. It really is a ministry. It is something that can really help educate and and uh, encourage others. It is. And I think that one of the other neat things is, you know, I'm by no means a master in marketing or, you know, any of these things it would take to make a podcast somewhat successful. And the only reason that I can do what I do is because of God. Right. And so I really look at it as a ministry because my goal in the show is to glorify God, mm -hmm. you know, and so I try to approach it from that. And when I have and I think, you know, we're all people of this fallen world. And, uh, you know, when I would get into 
checking my stats too much or concerned about how my appearance would be, I would really try to stop that, you know, and that's one of my, that's one of my warnings that I've given to some of the newer guys that have come in Mm. to Christian podcasting is you can't, if you don't keep God as the focus, it's going to become about you. And, and I learned the hard way, man. I had to take a couple steps back and just really examine, like, why am I doing this and who am I doing this for? Because I'm sure, as well as you know, if we went in and made a secular podcast, our listenership would be double. You know, it's, <laughs> sometimes it's difficult to find Christians to, to participate with us. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of an unconventional uh, medium, especially I think what you and I do. Um, and I chose this on purpose uh, because if you look at the top 10 in uh, iTunes under the Christian category, it's all a bunch of famous preachers basically sharing their yeah. sermons. And I'm glad those are there. But, uh, you know, I just had a little different bent. So I wanted to hear something something different. And I'm actually, I've been really encouraged. One of the things that I realized as we uh, kind of grow the Christian Podcasters Association Facebook group um, is that there's actually a lot of other Christians who are podcasting. It's just, you don't ever hear about them. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it seems like we, we work in these small circles and we weren't really connected very well until, you know, recently where we've started to meet each other, whether it be on Facebook or, you know, different show swaps, different things like that. So I've been, I've been very encouraged by it as well. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, I want to put the focus on you and on your story. Let's do it. (laughs) So um, I love talking about podcasting because we have that in common. Um, Let's go back. I'd love to hear you share with me your story about how you came to Christ. Um, But tell us a little bit bit of that story and then give us a little bit of the background of where you were before. So, you know, I think that my my testimony is somewhat unconventional. you know, in growing up, I had uh, aggression problems, addiction problems. You know, I was all around not the best kid in the world that you'd ever meet. But yet, uh, Christians always seem to give me the benefit of the doubt. My first job, I was not a kid that should have been trusted. And yet, I had a guy who gave me a key to his business and said, come in every night and clean it. I don't care if it's three in the morning. And and he gave me opportunities. And it was kind of funny because that family in particular played an integral part probably in me coming to Christ. Mm. And I remember, you know, so I worked for the dad. I remember the daughter locked me in a car one night and and was just going on and on about how, you know, you're such a good guy, but you make the horrible mistakes. You need Jesus, you know, and, and all of these things. And none of it really affected me. At that time, you know, I would say I was a uh, late high school, maybe junior, junior year, senior year of high school. Um, but then as I as I aged a little bit, I became, you know, 23, 24. And I started to uh, pursue especially drugs a lot worse. I found myself, you know, I was homeless, but I still had a job. <laughs> you know, I, I just, you know, almost by choice because I didn't want the responsibility and I didn't want the uh, all of the things that came with being a productive member of society, right? I still wanted a job because I wanted to eat and I wanted to, you know, go to the movies. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, and so I worked as a carpenter during the day and I slept in a truck at night. And then uh, one night, you know, I was still using drugs a lot. And one night I was sitting there and it, been using drugs all night and 
life was just miserable. And, and I stopped and I almost had this moment where I just knew life could not get any worse. And, and I just reached out and I said, what can I do, you know, racking my brain? What can I do to make life better? What can I do to, you know, start an upward trajectory instead of the skipping across the bottom thing that I've been doing? Wow. And for whatever reason, God is what came into my mind. And I, I would tell you that I feel fortunate that I was a, a center of top match before I knew Christ because I know what the difference is. I know what it feels like. And I will tell you that there, when, when I'm standing there in the middle of the night in a parking lot by myself and I, I start to realize that God would be my salvation, I physically felt different. Wow. You know, and, and I would like to tell you that my attitude and that my habits changed overnight, but they didn't. You know, it was it was a long process, but I was continuously growing to try to grow in my faith and become the person that I wanted to be. Yeah. What was different? And, like you said, you physically felt different. Describe that for us. I, you know, I think I felt lighter. I, you know, I mean. I always, I always relay it to, you know, this passage, you know, cast your burdens onto me. Um, and that was almost what it was like. It was like all of those burdens, all of those things that were dragging me down and those things that were holding me hostage, especially addiction. Um, I could just give them away and they didn't, they didn't control me so much anymore. It was a habit that I didn't know how to get, get out of, but you know, there's, I, I've been involved in other groups and people say, well, how did you quit? And, you know, most, I would tell you most of drugs, I quit cold Turkey, you know, and you know, I just stopped and well, how did you do that? You know, do you need doctor supervision or you need this? And, and I said, well, I just stopped, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> right. and I can't tell you why, but yeah, that night I just felt lifted. I felt lighter. I felt like I knew everything was going to be fine. Okay. So what did you do? You come to Christ in this parking lot. What you know, I would like to tell you that it was some revolutionary, some hallelujah story, but I just really I sat there and I I, I would say now the word is I prayed, but you know, I talked to God. Yeah. You know, I sat there and just had this conversation with something that I could not see that I've never done before that I didn't know actually existed. You know, and so it was either, you know, I was saved or I was crazy. Which one is it? You know, and so, so after, after that, you know, I just, I just remember sitting there, sitting, I lived in a parking lot down by this little lake and I sat down there and just watched the water and talked to God for hours. And then I went to sleep. I mean, there was no like, you know, lights shining down dancing hallelujah but it was just a, a sense of peace and calm that washed over me yeah well what a powerful faith moment though when you were you know at the at the bottom i love that what you said skipping on the bottom that was that's just a great picture um but to to just reach out and start talking to god you know that's that takes some faith that takes some some courage yeah, you know, and and honestly, being not being not brought up in the church and having, you know, I, I had church experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, being young, 
people, you know, friends would invite you to participate with them uh, in their churches or go to their youth groups or different things like that. And those were uh, interesting. I, I wish I could say that I, I learned something from them, but I mean, I was removed from a youth group because they told me that I was a bad influence on their kids. You know what I mean? There was no, there, it seemed when I was young, it seemed as if there was no place for me within the church. And I think that that's something that I carried with me even in the early walk in my conversion, because I know that I would go and I would show up at this church. There was one church that I knew the layout of, and that was the church that that asked me to never return. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I knew the layout. So I would come in a little bit late. Usually everybody was set down. I would sneak into the back. I would sit there. I would listen to the sermon, and then I would leave before everybody else left. I would sneak out the back because I didn't really feel as if that was a place for me. I, I had this misconstrued idea, and I think that that's something that a lot of, especially non-believers or people who are on the borderline, they don't feel deserving of participating in that place. I thought that everybody mm. in church was going to be this wonderful, holy person that has everything put together, and I'm this dirty sinner that didn't have anything put together. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't own a Bible. What am I doing in a church? You know, and so I, I didn't really want to communicate or touch base with people. Uh, and it, it took me, it took me quite a while in and out before I finally felt comfortable enough to share even who I was. You know, I, I didn't want them to even know my name. So, yeah, but that was that was a journey for sure. Yeah, I bet. How, what changed? Like, so how did you finally start to engage with other Christians? Um, I feel that I matured. Mm. I matured in my walk with God, and uh, something something that happened to me that is an integral part, probably of my of my walk that I don't share very much. I think this might be the first place I've shared it. Um, <laughs> is that like I told you when so so I had addiction problems and just because I I started to understand who God was and who Jesus was and and desire that for my life I still was using drugs and so one night I was at a party and uh, I ended up when you overdose you die I think I overdosed um, and so all I can tell you is that uh, I used a lot of uh, – we'll call it a cocktail, right? There was, there was a lot of different things mixed together. And it was the most peaceful experience that I've ever encountered. I laid down on this floor and I, and I walked around and – I witnessed what all my friends were doing and I was totally at peace. But the weird thing was, is I couldn't hear anything. Hmm. And so I, I walked around for what probably felt like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then as I, as I was walking back over to the, across the floor, I looked down and I seen my own body and then I set up. And I think that that showed me a kind of a proof that there is something there. 
I don't know what it is and it's not tangible, but now I put my fingers on something and I experienced something that was not of this world, yeah. right? You don't look at your own body unless you see a reflection in a mirror, right. you know? And so for me to experience that, it tells me that there's something deeper and something more that I need to search for. And, and I found that in my faith. And I found that with the promise of what will happen when, when I pass, when I die, I will be taken somewhere. My body will be left behind and, and I will still exist. Yeah. And, and that was a, a small taste of it. And, and I think that if it would have felt scary, if it would have, <clears throat> if it would have felt scary, if it would have felt you know, something unpleasant, it would have been a different experience, but it was, it was the most peaceful thing I've ever experienced. And to the point where I, that was a big part of me not using anymore because I was seriously concerned. I mean, and I think this, yeah. has, this goes back to the mind of an addict. I was seriously concerned that I would try to replicate that experience again mm. and that I would not make it, yeah. you know? So I, I look at it as my second chance. Wow. Phil, I don't even know what to say, man. That's like, uh, that, that's a heck of a story. You know, it's uh yeah, I mean, and, and no, and it's, it's one that I love. I love to share, but it's also one that is sometimes easily judged by people, you well, know, and, and I don't, I don't like to, there's a really fine line between some of the things I've done and, and it was a great experience for me, but I would never recommend Oh, yeah. Somebody else try to do that. You know, I mean, drugs are harmful, hurtful, painful, deadly. You know, it's a it's not something that I would ever wish somebody to have to experience. But for me, that was something that I needed. And, you know, and I always laugh still to this day. I say that, you know, God whispers to people. God whispers to my wife, you know, and she just <laughs> hears it and she goes, I think God, you know. God's been prompting me to do this. God's, I got to get hit in the head with a two by four. I have to get shown something. And I really see that as, as a piece that God put in play for me to understand his reality. You know, when we, when we look at the Bible, there are people who are shown specific things and I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm Paul, I'm not, you know, nothing like that. But yeah. I think that there are times when somebody needs to see something so that it opens their eyes. And that was my moment. Yeah. Oh man. Well, it's so interesting that you interpret it that way too, you know, that this is God getting kind of getting in touch with you and saying, Hey, this is what happens if you, if you continue down this road. Well, you know, and, and for me to look back, it's crazy because I still didn't own a Bible. I still, you know, was attending church irregularly. Uh -huh. You know, I, all I wanted to do was, was hear a sermon and go and, and whether I, actually understood that sermon, whether I actually comprehended what was being said, I bet I probably didn't, you know, yeah. but I just knew that I needed to keep going. I needed to keep pursuing God. And, you know, it turned out that I found out that God was pursuing me the whole time. Mm -hmm. And the people, when I look back at the people that he placed in my play, in my positions, whether it be my boss, whether it be, you know, different, different family members, whether it be friends, acquaintances, conversations that were five, 10 years old, you know, those things all came mm -hmm. into play. And I remembered those. So, yeah, oh, that's awesome. So how did you start to grow? What did you start to do? You know, as you, 
you know, from there, when you started, you made this choice, you're going to leave using drugs behind and you're going to start to grow. What did you do? I, actually, the big thing was, and like I was saying, like I was, I was talking about the, um, I was ashamed. So I, I was doing a lot of it myself. I didn't have that accountability mm. because I didn't want to open up to anybody. And so what I did was, you know, obviously I went and, and I bought a Bible, uh, you know, with the little notes at the bottom, one of those study Bibles. And so I would spend time in that. I would read devotionals, mm -hmm. um, just simple, easy ones that were, you know, not these big elaborate ones. They were just a single page a day. And, and I focused on the character of God, right? Because I didn't know the text. I didn't grow up learning mm. Bible stories. I didn't go to Awanas where I had to memorize these verses. I didn't know anything. I think as a joke, I knew Jesus wept. You know, that's my Bible <laughs> verse. Now you want a memory verse? Jesus wept. Um, but in, in the Bible was at some places difficult for me to understand. Sure. So, you know, being somebody, you know, you get into Leviticus and you're just like, I don't even know what any of this means. And, you know, and honestly, you get into Genesis at the beginning being somebody and you're reading this guy's 900 years old and, you know, this guy is 860 years old. Right. It's it's mind boggling to somebody who has no background in that. And so I would read I would read these daily devotionals because it was it was bite sized. It was easy for me to take in and and I could understand the character of God. And that's what I needed. I needed somebody who wanted to love me. I needed somebody who cared for me. I needed, I needed those things in my life. And to this day, I think I still probably focus on the character of God far more than, than some people who focus strictly on the, the biblical knowledge. Yeah. Um, because I think that, I think that life, life's change with God's grace and if you don't understand his character, you can't understand his love, his compassion, and and the greatness that is him. I love that. And I've been saying for a little while that I think we sometimes read the Bible wrong. You know, I went I went to school and got my bachelor's degrees in biblical studies, and so I learned all the minutia of studying in the original languages and um, you know, textual criticism, which is really fun, actually trying to figure out the, the text, but you know, is this really, cause we have all these different manuscripts. Anyway, that's a rabbit hole trail, but, um, all the, all that stuff, I, I could do all that stuff. But recently I've started to figure out that I don't, none of that really matters if I don't let the text reveal who God is to me. If I don't let the Bible tell me something about him and me in relation to him. And so that, uh, I think that's actually the right place to be. It's interesting that that was kind of where you started or kind of how you grew into, um, understanding God. Yeah. And it's funny to me that, you know, as God revealed himself to me in his character and as I did minimal study, I still ended up coming to the same place in his character and in, in the way that he operates because of, the things that he had done in my life, yeah. you know? And so I think that it's given me a, a really unique and amazing opportunity to be able to touch people because there's nothing more, 
you know, one of the things that we've been doing around here is is a lot with evangelism. And I have been extremely discouraged sometimes by how people treat evangelism mm. because I think that that's something that has always been important to me. And I don't know that I do it in a traditional manner because the way that a lot of these people that I'm hearing at these summits and different things talk about evangelism is is absolutely nothing how I do it. And they they end up – it never fails. This guy will tell you how he's doing all this stuff. But then he says, but I, I can't seem to reach anybody. <laughs> well, the deal is, is I, you know, I'm a plumber by day. And so I work in a service industry. I'm in and out of people's houses all the time. And I would tell you that nearly every day I talk about Jesus to a stranger. Wow. And am I saying, well, you need to get on your knees right now and you need to pray this prayer? No, I'm not saying that. I'm telling you what Jesus has done to me. And obviously it's a customer. I'm not going to tell them, hey, you know, I'm a I'm a messed up human. Here's my whole background. But, you know, yeah. I tell them, you know, what they what they need to know. And I tell them about the joy that I have found and, and the uh, goodness and how it has changed my life. And I think that that is the best evangelism that we can possibly do. You know, I heard this, this old guy, he was talking and he was, he, you know, I think he was a pastor and he was using words like you did five minutes ago (laughs) talking about how, well, I'll talk about the transmutation dilation of the Holy Spirit to, to Jesus. And I, I mean, he's using these 12 syllable sentences. I don't have a clue what the guy's even saying. And he goes, and then, and then these kids just look at me. I'm like, man, I'm an adult in a church. I have no clue what you just said. How are you going to reach somebody who's lost? And, you know, it's just, it's crazy to me. And, you know, I heard other people talk about, well, I can get up and get in front of a hundred people, a thousand people, and I can tell them about Jesus, but don't put me one-on-one with somebody. And that's the opposite for me. I, I honestly am scared to death of large groups of people. And, but I will sit down with anybody one-on-one to a small group and I'll tell you anything that you want to know. And I think the reason behind that is a lot of Christians are scared to be open. I think that that one-on-one experience sometimes is intimidating because you can't hide and you have to share yourself. And if you lie, those people will see right through you. Right. And, you know, and once you get to the place in life and in your faith where you have nothing to hide and and you are God's child, you are you are just you and you can't change it. God made me the way that I am. And I I try to grow and be more like him. But uh, at the end of the day, I fail in many ways. But I, I admit to those, you know, I don't need to hide because we're all on a journey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all about Jesus saving us from all that anyway. Um, yeah, I think it's so true. So I was, has one thought while you're talking, you know, about the pastor and, you know, I think what happened is there is this way, like the training that I received was good, but it was really designed for a previous age, you know, a, a Renaissance kind of, um, modernistic scientific way of looking at scripture and that's good. It's good to it was good to learn it. But I think the reason that you and I both share stories in our podcasts are it's a new it's a new era when people yeah. connect with something and they're longing for something different. And uh they're longing for something um maybe not as tangible as previous generations, but something 
more meaningful. I think is the, is the way that you do that. And I think you're I, right. You find that in people and in their stories. I agree. And I think that, you know, in, in this evangelism summit, one of the things that they spoke about was reaching millennials and all of these people, I got to tell you, even though it was open for audience questions and things like that, I really kept to myself because I really felt like anything that I would have said would have been misconstrued or (laughs) been, uh, you know, my opinions were very different from everybody else's. So I just kind of sat there and soaked it in and, and I was hoping to get little bits and pieces, but, um, you know, they were discussing millennials and I think millennials, millennials are different. It's kind of the same thing that you were saying is you were trained by a way of a different age. You know what I mean? They, the millennials, they want that personal relationship. And one of the things that should be so encouraging to us in reaching millennials is millennials consider themselves spiritual. Yeah. They, they may not consider themselves Christians, but they consider themselves spiritual. Well, we as Christians have been training in spirituality for our whole walk. Right. So if we cannot reach somebody who is is just dabbling in spirituality, if we can't relay that to them, I think that's our failure. You know, because that's I think that that's one of the easiest places for me to reach is millennials because they just want open honesty, you know, and if you give that to them and you give them you know, the, the real biblical touch of, of who Jesus is and what he's done, they've already got the spiritual component. They're not object, you know, I I've met other, you know, especially atheists who, you know, they want to rationalize it with science. Well, if you're spiritual, you understand that maybe there's something else there, you know, that's, it's more that agnostic type spirituality. Right. And so why not, why not just let them know, what what the truth that you found is you know give them resources take them places so. right i agree with that okay well that was a fun a fun excursion i like that um that's why i like talking <laughs> to <you>, phil <laughs> but uh okay so tell us tell us in your story so you were growing through doing we're just reading scripture and your um devotionals, your devotionals. yeah, yeah. I'm curious, did you, since you became a Christian, have you ever had a time when you felt like God was far away? You know, in, in my conversation, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I get to have conversations with, with a lot of people, um, that, that I consider far more sometimes advanced in their walk and spiritual than I am. And I think that there are times where I feel that God is far away. Um, but I think that's a normal occurrence, you know, generally when God is far away, uh, it's when I'm not focusing on him. You know, when business takes over, when life is too busy, when I get out of my readings, when I get out of my studying, when, you know, when I miss, you know, a couple weeks at church, you know, different things like that. Um, because he's not, he's not in my mind. He's not focused, you know, and you know, there's things, you know, I would love to study more. You know what I mean? I, I, I would say I pray good and plenty, but you know, I need to be in the Bible more than I am. But so when I start to lack the the dedication that I have in those specific targets, and especially if if uh, you know if there's any sort of sin creeping in, different things like that, I'll start to notice this distance where you know my heart will just feel a little heavy. I feel like you know when I when I'm in my prayers, I'm, when I'm talking to God, I just I don't feel as connected. Mm-hmm. And, and I start to notice that's when I really need to step back and examine 
my life. I need to step back and examine what I'm doing because, you know, God is always there. God is in the same place. It's mm-hmm. me that's moving. So, so why, why is that connection not there? And, and it's always on me, you know? So is God straying from me? No, God's always right there with me, but it's me that strays from God at times. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, so tell us about how you got into podcasting and how that, why you chose to do the kind of show that you do. And so, uh, I had this idea probably four or five years ago that I wanted to, I was listening to, man, I can't even remember. There was a handful of podcasts. It might have been, I don't even remember what I was listening to. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was Joe Rogan or, you know what I mean? Like somebody is one of those big shows because, you know, four or five years ago, the only people who had podcasts were like celebrities or like some crazy that you know, right. that you never want to listen to. And so I would listen to these and I got this idea that I, I could never find a Christian podcast. All I could find was sermons. And I had worked with, uh, with youth for a long time. I worked in substance with substance abuse, uh, Christians for a long time. And then, uh, we would, me and my wife would lead short-term missions to Central America. And so while we were there, when we first started, you know, we kind of took over from somebody else and it was really uh, haywire. You know, they would, the people would show up, there would be no structure. Here's what you're going to do for your day. We're going to go serve in this capacity. All right, you're back here, do what you want, you know? And, and that was great, except for it didn't work for me. You know, I really needed to have a more of a focus on God on those trips. And so I would start to build sermons that I would give at night. And I think that people at first weren't always so excited. I was like, (laughs) all right, we've been working all day. Now I'm going to preach at you. Um, But in those, I was able to really dig deeper with people and, you know, with the counseling and, and with helping, helping people through, especially times of need. One of the things I really started to notice is we all have these different different experiences in our lives, but we all have some of the same problems, you know, and most of the times we think we're alone. And I think even as Christians who are mature in their walk, sometimes even when the Christian is more mature in their walk, it's hard for them to take a step back and ask for help. It's hard for them to say, Hey, here's, here's where I fall short. And I, I noticed that all of these people had a lot of the same issues. And so I thought, why not compile a group of stories because they're all unique, but yet all God loving and, and experienced that would help somebody get through their grind, you know, to let you know that you're not alone. And so when I first started my show, well, so we'll we'll go back to the beginning. So yeah. So in the four years ago, that's what I wanted to do. And I was working with high school. We, I made the transition to college. Uh, you know, we were involved in, in a handful of other ministries at the time. And I told my wife, I said, this is what I'm going to do. And in fact, I went out and bought like a mini disc recorder because oh, they yeah. didn't have all the fancy stuff they have now. I had a mini disc recorder and like an old microphone. And I was like, this will work. And my wife was like, you know, I don't <laughs> think it's the right time. And 
I was like, no, it's the right time. And, it, and to be honest, it wasn't like looking back, it was not the right time. My wife was so right. And I just wanted to force it and make it happen. And so I heeded to my wife's wisdom and, uh, and put the brakes on it. And then when we made a transition from a church plant where, where I worked in, in college ministry and, uh, and came back to just being a plumber and a regular attender at a church. And I wasn't doing anything and I, and I felt kind of like I needed to progress and do something. And I brought it back up to my wife and she said, Oh, you still want to do that? And I was like, yes, go ahead. You know, I think that there's, there's time now. And so we had that conversation and, uh, you know, it was, it was nice because yeah, then I had her support and she was a hundred percent right. I did not know the time commitment that it would take to record and produce a show. And I had no I had no right to be able to try to do that four years ago. Yeah. So. How long do you take to, to put together an episode? Uh, so, so my shows run about an hour, an hour and 20. Uh, if I do all of the editing and stuff myself, I would tell you that I got six hours. Yeah. So, you know, fortunately, um, uh, I have a, my stepfather has worked in radio and occasionally if I get really behind or if I, if I cut the, you know, if I got a show that's supposed to go out on Monday and it's Friday and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I send it off to him and he'll knock one out for me. So he does a, he does a really good job at helping me out. So that's cool. Yeah. I was curious because it takes a long time. (laughs) So, I mean, people don't realize how much work it is to actually create a podcast. And, you know, it's just fun to talk about it because you're a fellow podcaster. But, uh, yeah, it really, you know, I think I, between just reach out to people and asking them to be on the show, which is, you know, it's a little, feels a little risky sometimes, um, in getting that arranged and then actually spending the time recording the conversation and then doing the editing. And I don't know what else you do. Like I do pictures for every single episode and, See, I, mean, I don't, and like you, like you do <laughs> you the pictures, and you do the show notes, and you do all that stuff. Yeah, I, I'm not that. I, I don't. I, honestly, I just, I wish I could. I would love to, but I don't have the time. You know, I'm, I, I run my own business, and my kids keep yeah. me running, and and I just, I would love to be able to, but as of right now, it's just, it's not in the cards. I just want to produce the show that is the, the right. best that I can, and and audio quality the best that I can, and and get it out. Yeah, well, the audio is the key part, right? But I, I like to do that because it looks better when I share it on Facebook. That's how I like it. It does like look better. Pictures. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that's a lot. Of, it takes some time. It's a commitment. So you know, I think your wife's right. If you if you weren't didn't have time back then, that's good. But I'm glad you do now. Yeah. What are some of the um, things you've learned from hearing the stories of the people that you've gotten to share with you? You know, one of the things that I've learned, uh, you know, and it's it's been an honor that yeah. these people will tell you a story and, and allow you to curate that for them. Isn't that amazing? And, and yeah, that that they they'll share little bits of their heart and and they'll trust that you'll do something good with it because it's not like they get the finished product. They record something. I can do anything I want with it. Yeah, and so. You know, just to be able to to enter into that relationship with each individual guest, and and listen to their stories because there are stories that are heartbreaking. And one of the things that I've 
that I've really learned is that if you stick with it, you come out the other side better. You mm-hmm. come out the other side stronger. And those things that – those insecurities that we have as, as people and those fears that we have as people melt away. And so you take those – you take those things that people have gone through, those hardships and those losses and those fears and those pains, those people come out stronger out of the other side. And so I think one, the main thing that I have learned is sometimes you embrace that pain. It, it's not good now, and, but God has put that in your life, mm-hmm. and I'm going to come out the other side stronger, happier, healthier. Yeah, and if you really embrace God in the middle of that, it can be, uh, it can help you grow, right? For sure. Yeah, it can be one of the most important things. Yeah, I, I yeah. completely agree with that. I've found that over and over and over again. It's one of the reasons I asked that question about, you know, have you ever found it had a time when God feels far away? Because um, sometimes people have really significant wall time experiences, you know, um, where they're kind of hitting the wall. And it's, like you said, it's normal. And it, if you embrace it and ask God to lead you through it, you'll come out stronger. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that that's, it's, it's, it's easy to explain that to people, but sometimes way more difficult in application. Oh, yeah. You know, because, you know, we, we, we don't want those uncomfortable moments. We don't want those painful things. You know, we don't want to hurt the people that we're the closest to. Um, but it happens, yeah. you know, and, and so the real question is, how do you move on from there? And if you move on without keeping God at the center of that, you're moving on wrong. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to keep failing, at least in my experience. Uh, you know, if I try to do it my own way, it's going to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Well, all right, Phil, I feel like we got to know you just a little bit better and, I love that. Um, is there anything you want to leave us with before we go? We talk about how we can find you. Um, you know, I would just encourage listeners to, you know, reach out to people. You know, we're we're all in a different place in our relationship with God, but yet we all want to have the same goal. The same the same end game is what we're all shooting for. And if you can live that open lifestyle. You know, things, the, the stories that we share on our shows happen every day in churches. They happen every day amongst friends. And mm-hmm. so take take those things and don't be shy of them. Embrace embrace your troubles. Embrace your problems. Those are things that, that God has blessed you with. It may not feel like a blessing, but share those. You know, live, live in those and live in that community because you're going to come out happier, healthier, and and better able to serve the kingdom of God. Oh, amen. All right. Well, where can people find the God Watch? Oh, people can find us. So if you go to uh, God Watch Live, you can find our webpage. Uh, we got all our shows listed there. If you click on the top tab. There's a podcast uh, tab. Go ahead and click on that. You can see all of our past shows. Uh, also, there's a contact us page if you want to drop us a line that direction. If not. Uh, we're on Facebook, the God Watch Podcast, and you know we also you can reach us anywhere on there. I'm not the best at keeping up on social media, but uh, hey, if you send me something, I'll, I'll get back to you just as quickly as possible. And then uh, you can find our show 
on pretty much anywhere you download your music online, except for Spotify. I've ever, <laughs> I have something in for them. I haven't heard back, but uh, you know, Apple, you know, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Podbean, uh, all all of those places. Perfect. All right, so I'll have those links in the show notes at halfwaytherepodcast.com. And so you can find that. You can follow Phil's page, and uh, that'd be great. So, Phil, thanks so much for sharing your story with us and being on Halfway There. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Eric. I appreciate you letting me, let me talk with you and have the opportunity. Yeah, thanks. Hey, thank you.